0: And we are live. Okay, so basically, for everyone listening, you're going to hear that crowd in the background because we got our resident scout, TJ, on location in Las Vegas, scouting a lot of players, checking out a lot of players. He's a beat writer for the Denver Nuggets, correct?
1: Yeah, so I cover the Nuggets from Mile High Sports. I'm their beat writer right now. Let's go, man! Uh, very good
0: coverage.
1: We're definitely gonna get y'all set up to go check out this stuff.
0: Uh, let's move on down the line. We got my man in here, a uh, resident Celtics fan, because we had to have one. Because you know, right
2: uh, now we have Scotty, the
0: boy, the man, the legend. Trying to drip in this everybody. Let's make some noise.
2: No. <laughs> hey, what's awesome. up, man? What's
0: hey,
3: up? James, James Holis, uh James Holis, D Ball Breakdown. Uh I'm the worst of the bunch over there, so th- thankfully, uh, you know, I got some uh I got a lot of good guys at B Ball Breakdown out. Uh you for having me on, oh, All right. Um, we're definitely gonna get
0: into some Celtics talk, definitely. Uh, we're we're definitely gonna make a concerted effort because TJ is on location, so we're gonna do this thing where when, whenever TJ is not talking, he's gonna mute his mic. I know y'all gonna get annoyed by by that, but he's on location. He's doing he does he's doing this for us, so let's all just you know to make uh, him feel welcomed. Say something in the chat. Follow everyone stuff, and then the next guy. Doesn't even need any introduction. He's been on Dennis Sports three times now. You got your boy Dakota Schmidt,
2: ridiculous hey. upside.
0: Yes. You got ridiculous upside. <laughs> I literally.
2: What's up? Um. And yeah, I just got a shower like 20 minutes ago, hence the wet hair. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about some uh, ceremony cubes and the our dearly departed Spur Tim Duncan.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, for everyone listening or everyone watching, uh, it's only gonna be an hour show. Most likely gonna go, if we have to, about five minutes over the time. Uh, follow all the guys. We are gonna get out the handles. Check out the links in the description. Check out those guys. We are gonna put that in there for for y'all uh, to check up on. And uh, let's get right into it, man. Summer league is underway. Uh, there's not really anything else in the summer time to talk about besides you know the Rio games and that's not happening for a couple more days and uh, summer league is where all basketball fans go the hardcore ones go to get their fix to watch their draft picks play try to project and see what's going on with them try to see if they could be something great uh, you know it's what we do and uh, I want to get into it cause you know we got snotty on the show and uh, he was here last week but uh, technical difficulties so you know, much respect for him coming back. We'd love to have him here anytime. And uh, I want to talk to Snotty first because y'all drafted Jalen Brown at three. I want to get your opinion on y'all drafting Jalen at three, and I want to get your opinion on the things that you've seen from Jalen so far. <laughs> so all what's up, right. man? Talk, talk to us, man.
3: Uh, yeah, all right, so the, so the night of the draft was in my finest hour. Uh, I may have reacted a little bit. Uh. Wasn't the most. I'm probably, I'm, a, I'm probably the worst Celtics fan you are. You know, other Celtics fans hate me because I'm, I'm very, um, very critical of Danny Ainge and how he's doing this rebuild. So, uh, uh, draft night was. Uh, I was hoping. So I, I did a lot with my draft, uh, and I figured that we'd probably take Bender uh, at at four. I wanted uh, I wanted Benbury, Uh, Atlanta. He's in uh, Bembry at? He's in Atlanta now, right? Yeah, I wanted Benbry at 16. Um, and I figured we'd take somebody like uh. On Waku uh, in the 20s, uh, you know, a bouncy young shot blocking kind of center. And so, uh, I'll say this: I- I'm not too upset with the Jalen Brown pick. Uh, I thought it was a bit of a reach. I wanted, I really wanted Marquise Chris. I think he's going to be a special player. But I wasn't too, too upset because I'd rather have Brown than Bender. Cause they've been his long term project. %uh But from there on out, the draft was all downhill. So. But um, Jalen Brown, uh, I, 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 even before the draft, I can find the tweets and putting putting out. I thought he's gonna be a good pro. He's athletic, He's bouncy. He's like a prototypical wing. He has a lot, you know, a lot of upside. Um, but you know, the NBA landscape is littered with uh, littered with six eight athletes and just somehow get cut. It. I think he's gonna be better than he's gonna he's gonna make the team. He's gonna, he's gonna be fine. He's not gonna be a bust. But uh, three was a little bit high for him. I think. I think if you're gonna swing for the fences that high, you gotta go for somebody like Marquise Chris. But so I, I'm not, I'm not, I like what I've seen from him so far. He's aggressive, he'll draw fouls. Um, he still can't really shoot. But that's okay. Uh, we got we got Al Horford, so
0: none that really matters. Okay, dope. Um, Dakota, I want to get your thoughts on uh, which who you've seen who stuck out to you. I'm gonna throw a name <laughs> out at, at you the man, the myth, the legend, bomb Maker. Veteran in in this league. This is his eighth <laughs> summer league, I, I, I think. Uh, we don't know. We're still figuring that out right now. Um, so talk to me about Thon. You all drafted Thon Maker out of, I believe.
2: I think he's Canadian. No, he's not Canadian. He's yeah. Australian.
1: Right? right. Yeah. And
2: yeah. He's, he, uh, he's a Canadian. He played at the same high school that uh, Jamal Murray played at.
0: Okay, so y'all drafted him at ten. There.
2: So so the nineteen-year-old. Don Maker is looking very well for his 19-year-old prospect that played no college ball, basketball because he was in high school. He's 19 years old. Just yeah, showing right. out, out that to, to, to you, Q. He's 19. You're yeah, right. He's 29 years old. He's 19. He's but uh, but anyways, uh, Don Maker, in the games in all the summer league games I watched of him with the Bucks. He just looked awesome. You know, four and nineteen or prospect, he's you know, a super high energy, super mobile, super, you know, athletic, especially on defense end with him just like spraining up for 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 blocks, but yeah, he he has really impressed me. I think in terms of the three players that are at some like the three bucks players, Tom Maker, Malcolm Brockton and uh Rashad Bond, uh Maker's the second best behind Brogdon, who has looked uh, absolutely awesome. I like the you know 23-year-old veteran rookie uh, that he is. But for Maker, I've liked uh, what I've seen. He's shown some range, which I'm impressed with. He uh, nailed a three or two from uh, beyond the NBA 3, which is uh, very impressive to me. Okay, Bill. Um... When it comes to Maker, man, I think the thing that's
0: gonna be surprising for Bucks fans is comparing his three-point percentage and comparing his progression to where Giannis was his first year. If if he meets that or if he exceeds that, I think that's good. Um, I think if he's right around it, that's also good. But if you know if he has a bad season, then I think people will be calling it a reach type of pick. Even even though I've seen people say that right now. Um, I believe... Like, what would you consider a good season for, for Maker? For Maker, are we factoring in if he gets good playing time? We, is he is he starting? Let's say, like, 20, 25 minutes per game. If you can give me... If you can give me 12 and 7.
3: No. No, that's too high. You, you want too much out of him. Uh, for this... <laughs> And uh, no, the owner said uh, that's that would be perfect. That'd be great. But I mean, this is a team that expects to make the playoffs. They are going to lean heavily on their veterans, and, and that's where it's going to be kind of iffy because they don't have they don't have our de- 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 developmental minutes just to feed this kid and say, all right, go give me 25 minutes a game. We don't care if you mess up because they expect to be the playoffs this year. Am I correct? So yeah. mm-hmm. um, I, I, I'm going to say for him if he gives if he gives you eight and five in um, 15 to 20 minutes a night, that's a Decent season for him. I think, like I said, I, I'm one of the people. I think it's a reach. That's a reach pick for him. He's a good hustle energy, but I think once they once they figure him out, you know, he makes a, a lap around the league. He you know, surprise a couple games. Once they figure him out and they scheme for him, we go, then we'll see what he's really made of. Let's we'll see what kind of calories he can come up with to actually still be productive against NBA level uh, talent and length. He's,
1: I got a green spotty there for sure too. He he What's has up, been. been Thin when he's been playing here in Summer League. He's been getting moved nonstop. stop um, He has had good positioning and uses length well, and he's not jumping on shot fakes constantly. He's not one of those. He has good fundamental team, but he's getting moved by Summer League guards. Uh, he's he's going to need some extra to really supplant himself into that uh, rotation. He's not going to get very good minutes.
0: The away training uh, is definitely what I was gonna say. Uh The, the away yeah. training is gonna. That's why I said
2: like. That's why I said maybe like like science said 15, 20 minutes like just as a rookie be like an energy guy energy guy at the bench, that you know can help you on the defense and you know give you a few a uh, few hustle plays. You know I think
0: him and Jalen are gonna have a similar uh season. Um I think you're gonna. Look at Jalen, you're going to look, look at their seasons, and you're going to be able to compare them in terms of how their coaches use them. Uh, I think both have defensive technique and skill, and they have a motor. Uh, they, one of Thons, uh positives is the fact that he has a high motor. Uh, he's pesky on defense. I'm not saying he's a leader. I'm not saying he's Kawhi. But he has the tools necessary to maybe one day develop into a nuisance on, on defense. Uh, Jalen the same way. Jalen, uh, except Jalen has has a grown man's body, and he's one of those guys who he will get to the rim, but he'll just rim out at the like he like he won't finish.
1: Um, All I think, summer league so far. All yeah, summer league. Yeah, he, he hasn't been able to
0: finish, man. Um, I, was to, I was listening to Bill Simmons. Very, very, very sad news. Uh, Bill Simmons fears that Jalen might just be that guy who never is able to finish whenever he gets in the open court. I don't know about
3: that. Hey, you know what? Bill Simmons also pulled for James Young to get drafted. Don't listen to anything Bill Simmons says. He's a classic.
0: That's exactly what I was about to say. I was just thinking. I'm like, well, Bill Simmons, well, Bill, Bill Simmons has been wrong before. But um, I think they both have the tools. Next person I wanted to discuss. Is um, Brandon Ingram, uh, TJ? Have you been able to get a look at Brandon Ingram there
1: in Vegas? I saw him for about forty-five minutes or so in his first game, um, and the majority of that time was before he made his first basket. He had some struggles when he was first starting. Okay. Uh,
0: Brandon Ingram's main flags when when it came to drafting was very skinny, very skinny. Will he be able to stand up against you know those those grown man bodies, man? Uh, I think that's going to be a struggle for him his first year, but he'll be able to get in the weight room. Uh, you know, I think what KD's challenge was KD was very skinny, too. And I'm not comparing skill sets at all, I'm just talking about frame. Uh, KD's biggest challenge was the same thing the weight room. And I think a lot of these guys will learn him and Maker because they're very, st- they're, they're sticks, man. Uh, they'll learn that. The powers in the legs more than the upper body. You know, a lot of these guys only care about the upper body now in the weight room. I've been in the weight room before, and people ignore the legs. The legs is where you get, you know, that's where you box out at, and you have to learn to use your your, your legs. You have to be strong as an ox. And I think both we are able to learn it because that's that's basically what KD does. KD's not getting moved around anymore. His first season, he was getting moved around just a little bit, but he's he's good now. Uh, that's going to be his biggest thing. What's up?
1: Uh, one thing with Ingram as well that gets very much so lost is that he played high school, he played high school football. He's a very physically-minded person. So if he yeah. can build up that lower body strength and go to bring that same kind of mentality with him, he's not going to have as much of an issue as everybody thinks he is.
0: I think so, too. Um, I think from what I heard about his scouting report, is, um, and we can jump in anybody at any time, uh, I heard that Ingram, he he comes from like a physical background. He comes from a place where he wants to like really get after it. He was in the Sixers practice, I believe, our uh, workout for him. He was really honoring contact. He was really trying to make a point that his body's going to get better. It's going to get bigger. And uh, he's not going to be, you know, a red flag where he's getting pushed around like a little boy in the paint. Anybody jump in on Ingram? One, one thing I've,
3: I've noticed about Ingram is like uh, I keep hearing the KD comparisons, and I get it because they're similar bills. But when I watched the tape of old uh, Kevin Durant in college, even then you could tell he was—he looked massive. He was skinny, but he just looked so much bigger than everybody else. And I didn't get that impression watching Ingram. Uh, I know Durant is—you know—even in college we know he wasn't six nine. He was about six ten, whatever, six eleven, and he just seemed like you know larger than life. Ingram was like a really tall kid. And I know he's what six eight, six nine. He was like a legit six nine, and that's—I think that's a little different. Um... You know, even back then, it, at his length, the was able to do, and he was a lot sharper coming out of college. Than I think Ingram was. That's why the comparison I always run Hollow to me. Uh, if you watch KD in college, he averaged what, like 25, 26, 27 in college. That's a far different than 17, 18, is which is what Ingram put up. I mean, that's that's it's a it's a huge difference. So um, he's going to be great. I understand why he was number two pick, uh, and. and Looking to where he's picked, perfect place for him to go because he's not going to have too much of a load on him, but he's going to have plenty of minutes just to do what he needs to do and get reps. Um, and everybody, you guys are exactly right. Uh, he needs to bulk up. Weights aren't going to really help right now. I think his body's too. He's still developing. Uh, the main thing with him is eating. And um, yeah, man, the legs is where it's at. You said it, but like that, some guys are just born with that. You know, dragging that wagon, they're extra in the back to post up. Like look at you know Jared Sellinger, those guys with wide bases. Um, you. And Never had that kind of base, but he's definitely gonna,
0: he's, he definitely—he looks wiry. he will he will be fine. I think so too. Mm. What's up uh, with your analysis, Dakota?
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, again, I am surprised and not surprised both at the same time. I thought he would, uh, you know, make more of an impact considering how high I was on him, but I agree with, with uh Snotty and what uh, what you said, Q and. TJ. TJ, that's T-J. the guy's name. TJ, that's your name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I had a brain fart. Apologies. But,
1: <laughs> apologies. Don't even worry but, uh, man. watching people hit half-court shots that are fans at Summer League right now, so.
2: <laughs> okay, but... But yeah, in regards to his weight, he definitely needs to uh, build up because he is just, you know, that skinny, slick... He has that skinny athletic build uh, right now, and he—he's that's the thing I'm definitely going to need to work on. But it's all around skills haven't really been, uh, you know, uh, evidence. He's not in his jumpers. He's really not, you know, being aggressive when it comes to kind of paint, which is something that he really was doing. Uh, doing. So maybe he needs time to, you know, to blend in with the system, with the uh, Luke Walton's system, but uh, yeah, I definitely agree with a lot of your uh, your guys' sentiments in regards to Ingram. Well, and we gotta understand, man. Like, it takes some guys a little longer,
3: especially a guy of his stature, you know, who's so slim, to adjust to the physicality and the speed. And even though this is not the NBA yet, it's still uh, this. I mean, honestly, let's be real. This has probably been the best competition he's seen in his in his whole career. Even though he just played at Duke, played high-level college kids. That's college kids who, you know, 95 percent of them will never play at a higher level. These guys, just in the summer league, are already better than anybody he's ever faced on a you know continuous basis, uh, in ma- in mass. So it, I, I'm gonna, I think he'll be fine. Like you said, once let's let him uh, ease into the system, learn the speed, learn the rhythm of the NBA, and uh, we're gonna, I say around January February, you can really kind of evaluate his game.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be the, you know, Carl Anthony Towns had a similar. Um, coronation in the NBA for for the first couple of months. He looked good, but he wasn't like, you couldn't tell if it was going to go either way. It was either way with him. With Ingram, I think it's going to be the same way. It's going to be, alright, we'll see who's going to, you know, it's going to be that January February just like you said. Uh, Next person that I would definitely want to talk about as a Sixers fan, Ben Simmons, uh, the kid, the chosen one, I love Ben Simmons' game. Uh, From what I've seen of him, um, the room for improvement in the ceiling. This is why I always thought he was gonna be better than Ingram, and it's still open for debate. This is only summer league. I could be completely wrong, and Ingram turns into the greatest thing that we've ever seen. But I think Ben Simmons has all the tools. He just needs that shot, and I've seen him take a couple jumpers last night, and the form is there. It's not, you know, it's not Michael Kick Gilchrist, you know, it's not that. It's, yeah, he has a good shot, he keeps the elbow tucked, just a matter of the timing of the release, and it's all in that wrist, and I see sometimes he has an inconsistency. What's up, TJ? The, uh,
1: the one thing about his shot is that he, his confidence is completely gone still. They're, they're, he will not take them. Uh, if he can find a way to impress himself even just a little bit to where he starts taking them and starts to develop it and have that shot, it'll take everything off. Uh, he's already creating gravity just passing. He's creating gravity with the ability to to fly the ball around anywhere on the court at yeah. moment. Um, odds are for me is that he's not going to like that shot for a really, really long time. He's going to be a project when it comes to offensive scoring, in my opinion. It's going to take a while to get him outside of 10 feet.
3: I agree. Yeah. That's one thing I noticed uh, when I, you know, I watched tape. You know, I had the prohibitive number one. I could look at him. He has the NBA body. You know, he's 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 already physically so advanced. He's ready to roll right now at the box. But like he said, man, everybody we, we all touched on it. It's like it's almost pathological how scared he is. Not scared, but how he doesn't want to shoot. Um, I was watching the tape one and there's plays where the shot clock did three. He has a man in front of him. He can shoot over and he's passing to his center at the top of the key. You know, it's something they got to really break him out of. And right now, um, I think he yeah, had the other day. He went like four for seven on jumpers, which is great. But I mean, it's it's one thing to work on something and, and execute it in one summer league game. Let's see, you know, 15 games in when his legs are starting to go because he's playing so much so many games and he's he's fatigued. Let's see how that shot looks. But um, another thing I noticed about him that it doesn't worry me. It's not this is whole oh, anybody watching. Don't I'm not critiquing him. But once he passes that ball, he he's content just to stand around until he tries to yeah. go get it back. I know he'll pass that ball and then he'll just he won't cut. He won't find open space in the court. He won't move. He'll just kind of stand there, or unless I gets the play calls for, I can see him like, oh yeah, I gotta go over here. So that kind of that bothers me, but it's something to watch because you know, I mean, we, we want to see their motor. This is where they're getting their, their NBA conditioning up. So, um, but uh, yeah, he's 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 gonna be a special player, man. I'm not sure how special he's gonna be special.
0: I think by year three is when we're is when we're gonna see the the complete game, and that's usually for all uh, NBA prospects. And Dakota will will tell you it is work over ridiculous upside. That year three, year four yeah. is usually that year where guys come into their own. And I think this going to be the same with, with Simmons. I think this year is going to be all about getting ingratiated uh, for, the, for the Sixers. If Embiid can come back healthy, which I'm still praying on that. I, they, they're saying he's good to, to go. I hope he's going to be good. Uh, if we can get that front court going and we just have knockdown shooters around Simmons, I think he'll – I think he could average seven and six, man. I no, mean, not seven and six, like points. I'm talking about like – He'll probably average around. I'll give him. I'll give him fourteen. I'll give him fourteen and seven. I think he could average that. I really do. With uh, Jared Bayless and Gerald Henderson, and Robert Covington, all you gotta do is get open and knock the shot down. And uh, I want to go to my man Dakota. I know he. I know he has thoughts about Ben Simmons. So (laughs) whatever.
2: Um. (laughs) I've. I've been uh, impressed from what I've seen of Ben Simmons during Summer League. I'm actually watching a highlight video of him uh, right now. Of course, his core vision is looking awesome. His athleticism, athleticism in terms of kind of paint is looking solid. But uh, his jumper is there. Like You know how it's not he said that out at LSU he was kind of afraid to shoot? Um, in Summer League games I'm I've sure. watched, yes. In some of the games I've watched, he's been willing to, you know, take that 15-7-foot jumper and, like like you said, Q, his form, his his uh, shooting stroke does look uh, pretty solid. But, yeah, I've just been impressed with what I've seen of what Ben Simmons is great at, which is, you know, being an athletic dude that can cut to the pain whenever he wants to, and being an awesome uh, facilitator.
3: Uh, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna have at least uh, at least 18, almost 18, five and five. I'm gonna say book that, and he might get 20 because he's the he's the franchise. They're gonna go to him and say, "We want you to do what you need to do." Um, like uh, I watched that last game he played, and you know he's doing nice passes, hit a couple jump shots, and I saw him a couple times. He just faced up, he looked at his man, he blew by him for the dunk, and he's bullied his guy for a layup. He's, he's going to be from day one, I mean, in open court, you know, he's going to find his guys, and he'll be able to finish at the rim. So I think he's going to average at least 18, 18 to 20 his first year. Uh, they're not going to be a good team, so it's not going to matter. He's going to get his shots up. So yeah. he's going to be a
0: special player. I, I definitely can agree with everything everyone just said. Uh, next player, I definitely want to get on because I think um, my man TJ here, resident scout there in Vegas right now in Summer League. I, I definitely want to talk about Jamal Murray real quick. Jamal Murray is very – he's peculiar to me. Uh, I didn't mind if the Sixers – if the Sixers had gotten that trade done with um, the Celtics, I wouldn't have minded Murray. I wanted done, and we're going to talk about Dunn next, that next because that boy is balling. But um, Murray, he's in a weird space with me in Denver. Uh, I never want to get TJ's take on it because you have Gary Harris there, and I wanted Gary Harris in that draft badly. I knew he was going to be good. But everyone just counted him out. And that's your starting two guard. Are they gonna put Jamal at point or are they gonna run him at the two off the uh, bench? Uh, TJ. TJ TJ Is he is he frozen?
2: He, he, he's either frozen it's or watching the world game. World. Hey, he like looks like Draymond
3: Green looks like Draymond Green in that press conference. He just he froze up. He <laughs> 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 Is he coming back? I'm going to jump in real quick. Um, What's up? So, uh, yeah, you asked about Jamal Murray. I, w- I, w- I was probably the most, out of all the people I follow who write and talk basketball, I, I was probably the, the most down on Jamal Murray. For the simple fact that, yes, the man can shoot lights out. Yes, he dominated college. You no know else dominated in college? Jimmy Fredette and Adam Morrison. All I'm saying, and my comparison, he's going to be better than them. He's going to be a successful pro, I think. Yeah. But, my point is just that, like you can you look at his college game. Oh, he averaged 20. Who cares? It's college basketball. It's a whole different ball game. And uh, I watched the other night. And he had a guy, he had an explosive quarter, I think, the other night. He scored like you know 17 and a half or some like didn't he? Uh, I saw the highlights. But my thing is like that's great, summer league. But they even talked about this in the, uh, on the broadcast. He doesn't have that athleticism. Like he, he had a big man switch out to him. He can't beat him to the hole. He uh yeah he gets his feet under him. He get up and dunk. That's great. But he's not like some uh. When you're—he's not undersized. He has good size for a two guard, a combo guard. But he's not really explosive. He's not going to blow by anybody. And uh, I think for a team like Denver right now, he's going to start off on the bench, backing up both positions. That's great. Um, Yeah. You're speaking about Chris Dunn. I think Chris Dunn is going to be the best guard in this in this out of this draft, pretty by by a far shot. And I would not have been mad if we had drafted Chris Dunn and started working on moving Isaiah Thomas. I I know some of the fans will say that's blasphemous. It was blasphemous because they love IT2, and he made the... Uh, yeah, yeah he made the all i my right language
0: there. now, man.
3: But uh, Chris Dunn... <laughs> since I, went, I started watching tape on these guys in like March. Chris Dunn just popped out to me, and I said, that guy, he's going to be a dope pro. He's going to be an awesome pro. Man, we're going to get
0: watching,
2: all done. Like, hey, watching, Dakota, go in. Go going, man. Watching Chris Dunn in summer league, was like watching him and, you know, in Providence. He has just looked as good in Summer League as he did, um, you know, at Providence. His, you know, his passes are crisp. His defense is there, and his uh, little step-back jumper, his little uh, 20-foot, you know, jumper is there. The thing that he's been, he was developing during his final season at Providence. And he if he gets a you know, jumper down combined with his athleticism and, you know, combined... You know, says you know, facilitating and defense. I think the T Wolves are gonna have to think about trading Rubio. It,
3: I think that's yeah. I think that's, that's already kind of in the works. I hate I hate to say it, cause I like yeah. Rubio, and maybe you could say maybe Dunn and uh, Levine could could attune a two guard spot. But eventually, man, it's like a, a a team without a point guard that can shoot is it's, it's it sucks. Well, I mean that that caps the it caps uh, your level, how high that team can go. You know what I mean? Yeah. I get it. Rubio's a, a great, smart player, great defender, great team guy. But when your point guard, you can leave him on guard and on the perimeter and you know, you're second back, it, it puts a cap on the team's potential. And I love Rubio. I hope some team fits him, but the NBA just kind of changed where Team and Rondo could dominate. So, yeah, man, uh, Chris Dunn is going to be a monster.
0: TJ, uh, what's good with Jamal Murray, man? I know you're the resident scout for Denver. I want to get your take Um because, you know, they're trying to talk about how, you know, it's Gary Harris starting at the two, but now they have to bring in uh, Jamal. So is he coming off the bench as, as a one, or is he
1: coming off the bench as a two? We like, don't know. So he's coming off the bench as a combo guard right now. Uh, Connolly and Michael Malone have been very, very, very vocal that he can play the one and the two, but they've also been vocal that Gary Harris is starting. Um, that's the flat line of that. They're not changing that, unless Jamal Murray is something just out of this world to start the season, um, which I think he could do. I also think the lack of spacing, like you were saying, um, Snotty, that you don't have a shooting point guard in Moutier. Um, I am a believer that you can have a team that can play well with a non-shooting point guard, especially with a stretch center like the Nuggets have pulled off with of Jokic. Um, but he, I think he'll end up starting. About the end of the year, uh, Gary Harris, is that, that <laughs> um, The one,
3: thing, the one, see one difference. i oh,
1: sorry,
3: I was gonna say the one thing about Mooneye is uh, Mooneye has almost a Westbrook like Westbrook light like uh, you can get to the rim and get anybody wants on the floor. He's a he's a bigger guard. So uh, yes, the. The NBA changed now. Your guard. Let's not even say shooting. Your point guard needs to be able to score in some way or fashion. is gonna get to the line a lot, and he, he'll get to the rim, and he'll his jumper is His jumper is pretty broke. He 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 has a scoring touch, not not a shooting touch, and that's okay. You can live with that when if he brings so much else to the floor. Um, He's still the thug, like I said. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, is awesome. I love Moody. He was my favorite. Player, one of my favorite players in the draft. I love that okay.
2: kid.
0: Denver's going. I mean, so He's man. D-Wade made a career out of, you know, not being able to really get, you know, three-point shots. So it's just just a matter of will you honor the contact. A lot of guards are scared because they're worried about their business and their knees, and guys like Westbrook and guys like Dunn and guys like Moudier, I think by year three, I think we're going to see, like, John Wall-like, you know, flashes from Moudier and Chris Dunn. And that's a great segue because we're going to get right into Chris Dunn real quick Minnesota is gonna be a problem. Minnesota Timberwolves are going to be a terror in just two years. I promise you, y'all do not want to see that starting five in two years, and everyone knows this. I'm not gonna go as far to, you know, coronate them already because the league is on notice. But they need, they still need to work out the Pekovic deal. They still need to work out Rubio trades. Look out for San Antonio to make a move, and um, I think. I think Chris Dunn, man, he was the third best player in this draft. Personally, I'm, I was in the camp of saying he might be better than Ingram as a player in the NBA. And the reason why I said that is because he has all the necessary tools and the necessary body and the necessary skills to get to where he wants to get to and do what he wants to do. Ingram is going to be a learning process. Dunn can come in right away and contribute, His ceiling might not be as high as what Ingram's could be, but the situation he's in has completely compensated for the ceiling argument. Uh, Him being with Towns is a dream. That defense is going to be absolutely insane. Wiggins at the three, Levine at the two, and then just put Zhang at the Towns can play the four, but you want him at the five. If you can find a four, than perfect, or just find an, another center who can play away. That's why when we were uh, on draft day, I, I was very nervous because Woz was talking about how we were talking about uh, trading for, for Dunn, and I was like, man, if they get Noel, man, it's murder for everybody because Noel could play away from the basket, and Towns would just play a four basically, and. Uh, I'm not going to say I'm not glad that the deal didn't go down, but I wouldn't have minded it because I love Chris Dunn's game. We're seeing what he's doing right now, and he looks like he's going to be that next point guard who's up. And I think from getting to the basket, his shot was never really broken. It was just, once again, it it was a Ben Simmons issue, no confidence. And when his shot is falling, he's one of the best guards in college basketball. He he might have been the best when his shot was, was falling. And seeing what he's doing mm-hmm. now in summer league, I want to go to Dakota to yeah. speak on just the Timberwolves in general
2: and how Dunn fits in with them. So, Dakota, oh, go ahead. <laughs> Um, I think I like agree with some of your assignments that the you know Timberwolves are gonna be awesome. But again, what the problem with them uh, last um, last year? And I don't think it's really that much solved with Kristen, even though he's improving and working on that, is you know, the Timberwolves need, you know, a perimeter threat. You know, uh, Levine has been improving on that, and, you know, Wiggins has been able to do that. We know t- uh, Carl Higney Towns has shown flash of being able to spread out, hit the mid range, and potentially a uh, perimeter jumper, but they're going to need, like, a, a standout, you know, friend, or shooter, and whoever that's going to be. Um, it's going to be very helpful, but in terms of defense, you know, uh, you, like you mentioned, Dunn, talent and adding Wiggins is also an awesome defender. It's going to be nuts. No, um, They're going to be one of the best, if not the best, uh, defenses in around like two, three years when, you know, all the players start to reach their potential and Everything just comes together under Tibbs.
3: Um, I'm going to De- be Debbie Downer, like I always am, because um, <laughs> you said the same thing about Milwaukee last season, uh, and it, it doesn't always go the way you think it will. Uh, all the players have to be in sync, develop together, um, and, and it, I'm not saying it's gonna, not going to happen. So I'm, I'm a big believer in everything we're saying right now. Towns is awesome. Wiggins is dope. Uh, Chris Dunn is going to be amazing, and the Cole Aldridge pickup was really big. I, I think I was really big. Minnesota uh, he, he was a lot better than people get credit for. But my thing is uh, my only, not even question, I am just, I, I want to see Tibbs do it. Tibbs stepped into a Chicago team that was already in the playoffs and already had a young core together. Uh, Vin, Vinny Del Negro for all his faults offensively he did a good job molding them to an effective team, a real unit that worked together. Tibbs took him to the next level. That's great. Now we get to see Tibbs on the ground floor and I am I don't know. We haven't seen him do it. I, I keep hearing people already automatically just cry, oh Tibbs is going to do great with this team. Let's see it before we crown him because I'm not saying he can't do it. I, he probably will do it, but um, I I don't know. Uh, yeah, the Chicago offense was uh, pretty offensively efficient, but they weren't. They didn't play very fast, and they they were very pretty unimaginative. Um, let's see him do it. He has the weapons and the tools now, but he also has to teach a lot still. These guys are still really young. Uh, so I, I, the hey, the sky high potential sky high. I'm excited to watch him. The won my lead past team. But um yeah, when Tibbs his answer to everything the last couple years was let's just play harder. And he played Noah until almost a coma. He played all day until his legs almost fell off. That's great. Let's see what he does with these young boys who need to be taught and actually, you know, need to be developed some more. And you can't do that to these guys, you know. So uh I'm interested to see it. I got yelled at by by a, by a writer I respect because I said this.
0: But let's just see it. I want him to prove it. I agree with that. Um, TJ, you can jump in any time, but before you do, um, I think the counterpoint to that is simply you know, it's simply just we got two TJs in here now. On our money, froze, <laughs> my fault. Yo, and, TJ beside
1: TJ today. what's up? This Wi Fi media. <laughs> i must be pissing off every media person below me taking up everything because I keep losing you guys, but good to be better. It's all
2: good, man. It's all good.
0: Uh, I want to go go to TJ next, but but before I say this, um, uh, I think the counterpoint to your argument, which is valid, definitely, it's a wait and see type of mentality, which I agree with. But I think the difference between the Minnesota situation and Chicago is they didn't really respect Tibbs' input on a lot of front office decisions, and they weren't really trying to see the future in Chicago. They, they were just trying to maintain what they had right there. And I think in Minnesota, we're seeing him get the leeway to go out and get a Aldridge and developmental pieces. And I think, I think it's a better-than-not chance that this pans out into a playoff team at least. Um, but people are already talking championships for this team, and I think that might be a, a downfall for them. So... TJ, can you speak on Chris Dunn and uh, if if you've seen him play and speak on the Timberwolves starting five and expectations for them going into the season?
1: As a Nuggets fan, I am absolutely terrified of them being in the Northwest Division with us for the next 10 years. Uh, They are just insane. Uh, Carl Anthony <laughs> Towns is staggering, and Chris Dunn, I think, will be the perfect compliment point guard because he's a 40% three point shooter in college, but he's not a bottom shooter. So you're not going to be stealing those touches from people either. Uh, he's a really smart, high IQ point guard, uh, especially if you watch him in Summer League. Some of the passes he was making and the vision he had was really, really staggering for me. The um, one thing with him, though, is that when he does get hot, he gets very shot happy, uh, at least in Summer League so far and a little bit in college. Uh, but that starting team, being able to bring in a 40% shooter like that, even if it's not in volume to put next to Wiggins, is really going to separate that team out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you guys were saying, defensively, I don't know what anybody would be able to do against them. Uh, you can try and play anything. And there's just too much length. There's too much quickness. Um, I do hope to God Thibbs does not destroy Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, mm-hmm. He has his overworking <laughs> that he's definitely had in this league for a while. So hopefully he's not out here breaking people. But at the same time, it's so hard to not look at that team and be extremely excited at what they possess. Yeah,
0: and Zach hasn't even reached what he could do. I think Zach, Zach's put up a couple 30-pointers on Golden State, and he's put up a couple
1: 30-pointers on the. Oh, I think it was the Spurs, was it? Or, or no, it was OKC. Reportedly, Zach was the only thing that kept them from getting Butler. Uh, they wanted Levine in that trade, and they couldn't get him. And apparently, that's the only thing that kept that from falling through. People see him very highly. I, I really don't, I don't hate the decision not to do that,
0: but if you're, if you're trying to win now, then you want to go Butler, um, but I, I will say this, and take this with a grain of salt, but James Harden, we've all known, uh, he was OKC Thunder for a couple years before he got traded, he was quoted as saying that Zach, um, talking about Zach Levine, uh, he in his rookie season, and at, at this age, he's more athletic. Get this, he's more athletic, and he has a better shot than Westbrook did at his age, at, at at that age. And you can take that with a grain of salt. I like that confidence from Harden to give, you know, the boys some props. But if that's true and he can continue to climb the ladder, I think he's going to be a problem, man. I think... I, th- I think he definitely uh, found some. He, he found something this season in terms of spotting up, and I think he's gonna be able to use his athleticism out on on the break, especially with Dunn. That transition is gonna be, it's gonna be gross to, to just see that. You know, you go, man. You have Wiggins, Dunn, and Levine on the three-man weave. It's over. But <laughs> if anyone that's else
1: is trailing right? like that, that's not
3: fair.
0: I like yeah. that you brought up
3: Harden. I like that you brought yeah. up Harden for the simple fact that now we got uh, Towns, Wiggins, Dunn, Levine. If we watch him, he, he likes to play with the ball in his hands. He, he's a he's almost like a not a throwback guard because he's you know he's a, a musical guard, but he likes to control the ball. He likes to get his band he gets into a rhythm with a dribble. My question is, how long can you keep these four together? Because sooner or later, you do have a Harden-like situation. Because I mean, look, we know right now Levine's going to come to the bench, or I guess he'll start right now. But he's still, he's, you know, he's third in the pecking order. How long, how long? If you're saying he's going to start that trajectory, sooner or later he's going to want to say, all right, well, I want a bigger piece of the pie. You know, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, of course. And I, people won't think I'm I'm being negative about the T-Wolves. They are in one of the I think top three teams in the league as far as future potential, as far as what a GM will want, as a fan will want. So they're they're in a great spot. But this is something realistic. Right now, these guys are young, hungry. They're learning. They're to working together. Sooner or later, their games do, is any their games going to outgrow with the situation right now?
0: And it's a possibility because LeBeau is a bad man. That's true. Um, you, mm-hmm. you got four guys, and I think I think that the Timberwolves front office is going to be looking at these guys and saying, "We don't want to be in 2017 with with the top five pick because down the line you're going to have to pay." guys who are potentially going to be commanding $80 million plus. I already know Talon's going to be a $100 million max guy. Uh, Andrew is probably going to be that guy. Dunn's probably going to be somewhere around there if, if they all hit their trajectory. But 2017 draft is going to be even more insane than this draft and last year's draft. And even people are comparing it to 2003 because all these prospects are looking like they're going to be coming in like grown-ass men and just destroying people for some reason. But if that holds true, you don't want to be the Timberwolves in the lottery again and drafting another guy because down the road you you're, you're, you're going to have to pay five guys and it's just like, you know, if you add a Harry Giles to the situation, shout out to those who know who Harry Giles is, it's going to be absolutely insane for a cap you know.
3: But uh, let's be real, we know that they're going to be in the lottery, right? We know they're going to yeah. be in the lottery this year. They're not making the playoffs, right? So I mean, it's it's a good it's a good problem to have, but it's 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 an issue that they gotta think of sooner or later, right?
0: It's a good problem with a ticking time bomb on it, you know. Yeah. Um, it's you know, it's counting down the days and the years until you have to pay some of these guys because people are talking about Carl MD Towns might be a top twelve, top ten player right now. And he's already making those lists. So we're gonna have to see. Uh next guy I want to get into, uh Buddy Healed. I'm not that high on Buddy. I really don't have much to, to say. I saw he was shooting the ball incredibly well. Um, I want to know if TJ uh, got a glimpse of Buddy, see if he
1: uh, found found something in- interesting in his game. So, so yeah, I've watching Buddy out here. I've seen two games from him now. He he shot the ball well. Um, he is he hasn't created space well. Same issue that Jamal Murray's been having too with with Denver is that you're you're shooting well, but you're only shooting well when you're wide open. Um, he makes me real nervous when it comes to is he gonna be able to create his own space at the next level. I don't mm-hmm. think he has the quickness. I don't think he has the athleticism. And he, he's decent size. He's not big. He's not Levine long. He's not as quick as Levine. Um, I don't see him as a big difference maker at the next level. Same reasons I'm really nervous as my fan about Murray. Same, but
0: Snappy, what's up?
3: Uh, it's it's. I love what he. I love. It. I love his, uh, his his personality, his aura, and uh, you know, hey, shooting is a premium. Everybody wants shooting, but you hit the nail on the head, TJ. I mean, he said it himself. He used to be able to just go get the ball, you know, do his thing in college. Again, this is a whole different ball game. This is only summer league, you know. They play up on him summer league. Imagine you throw Andre Robinson on this dude, you know, arms armed across the world can follow him step mm-hmm. for step in his in his jockstrap. It's a whole different ball game, and yeah. if you don't have that. You got to have, uh, you know, next level speed, athleticism, combination of those two, and he, he just doesn't seem to have it. So we'll see how, as his game develops, what what can he do to work on getting himself open? How hard is he willing to work on, you well, know, working off back off cuts? Uh, UCLA 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 cuts, running and using screens. He's gonna have to like really master the art so these things to be a uh, successful player on the next level. The shot is there, we all know that. Uh, he has the has the accent, he has the, the swag. People do love him.
2: You can't play it's Not gonna matter in a year. Um, I've been. I don't. I think I've watched one game or highlights of Buddy Hield, uh during summer league. But when I compare like the highlights of uh, what I've seen of Buddy and like the highlights in of uh, what I've seen with uh, somebody like Malcolm Brackton, um, Brackton, you know. His his ability to cut to the rim was a uh, huge concern heading heading into the draft, and hence why he was the sack around. And he's like shown some more mobility and creating his own shot and as a cutter than uh, Buddy he Heald, which is which is scares me, considering that uh, he's gonna be with the Pelicans. And, and besides, you know, what kind of weapons do they have? Inside of their rotation, so a lot of emphasis is I'm gonna be on body, and I'm worried about how good he'll, uh, how good he'll be.
0: Man, I think he has Jimmer ridden all over him. Man. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> wow. Who? I, just... I will go on record, though, for, for Dakota and say I think Brogdon will have a better career by the end of his career than Heald will. Uh, Brogdon's looked great out here. He's moving fantastic. Uh, he has a fantastic shot. His IQ is through the roof. Uh, he's playing some solid defense, too. His intensity has been unmatched so far when he plays. I think is going to be one of the biggest deals in this draft, and he'll have a better career than Heald overall. Wow.
3: Um, I'll say this. I'll say this real quick. Josh Josh Shelby, Josh Shelby averaged like twenty seven, five, and five in summer league. So it's we gotta take everything we see right now with a little grain of salt. Uh guys can dominate in summer league and then you know just struggle in the regular season, guys be quiet. And, uh, what's my man's name from Indiana? Um, Solomon, Solomon Hill, struggled in summer yeah. league. Hey, translated great to the NBA. So it's it's but you you guys make really good points, especially about buddy buddy uh, buddy Hill. But he's playing with uh, he's playing with Anthony Davis, and he has Drew Holiday. So he ha- he has guys to give him the ball and to draw attention from him. He gets he has his shots. If he can knock down shots, he'll have a place in the NBA. I
0: agree, um, but I just think Jimmer, man. I just think about you know it's like James Young. As as a Celtics fan, you know what I'm talking about. He can hit it when it's wide open. And when somebody puts a hand up, he forgets how to shoot the ball, and it's just like. We hey, have my to man. see. I don't. I
3: don't know what you're talking about. James Young doesn't exist to me.
0: <laughs> we have to see because we've seen a whole bunch of summer league stars, and then they go into the NBA and they forget how to dribble a basketball. That's why I don't really trust guys who go for 35 and go for 29. You know, I don't. I, don't, I really don't trust those performances from first-year guys. Um, I, I trust those performances more from second-year guys because that—that's—that's that's what they should be doing. Um, but first-year guys normally they might just have caught a like you know they just probably caught it like, like a pocket and they just started to shoot, or they were just dominating because they were bigger than everyone else. Um, my my theory, my theory about that is that
3: uh, again when a, a guy is totally foreign to the rest of the league. Uh, you know, they catch them all, all unawares. Once they get tape on you, and they, they can watch tape on you and game plan, they're like, okay, we know he likes to do you know four, three dribbles, and he, that's his pull up spot. We know he likes to fake right, you know, drive left. Once they figure that out, and they, and they get game plan for you, and they scheme for you, even a little bit, or they say, hey, you game plan for him, you're gonna be going and go and blank him, you know, wear him like a blanket. It's over for you, guys. So that's the thing with them. First time around the league, they hey they they might do all right. It's how they do the second and third time that tells you if they're a player or not.
0: Yeah, um some names I w I wanna throw out there if you like know to jump in on these names. Um uh, Trey Lyles, I think he'll he'll take another step. Uh, Larry Nance, I, I like his athleticism, I think he's gonna be a player in, in this league. I like about Bobby Portis, has attitude. Uh Timothy Lualu, I, I love his game. I think he's gonna be good in about maybe a year or two. He's gonna be a project, but he's gonna come out because he has good defense. He has the athleticism, and I think he's gonna be good as a Sixers fan. Uh, you got Norman Powell. I think he's gonna be a, a player. I think he has he has steel written all over, all, over him. Um, Norman Powell, even, even even though he played for Toronto last year, um, I think he's made just great strides. Uh, he was one of the big reasons why they beat Indiana in that series. He was a great energy guy. Could hit the three. I like him. Uh, and DeAngelo and uh, Rozier. As a Celtics fan, I would be remiss um, without talking about this. We're, we're definitely going to wrap up in the next 15, 20. And I wanted to address this because this is uh, breaking news. Um, Boston is involved in, once again, more trade talks. Ah, um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sac- uh, Sacramento, Sacramento. Sacramento, Sac- uh, Boston, and L.A. are involved in trade talks, and what's going on That's in those trade a bunch talks... of poppycock. I think so, uh, too. Yeah. I think so, too, but yeah, I, I, have to, I would be remiss to report this as we have a Celtics fan on the show can give you his raw take. Um, Sacramento, L.A., the Clippers, and Boston are in trade talks, very loosely trade talks. Um, the, the deal was reported by, I believe his name is Keith, I don't remember his last name. Uh, some Keith guy on Twitter who has clout apparently. Uh, the deal involves Sacramento sending Rudy Gay to the Clippers. Blake Griffin goes to Boston for, for scraps with uh, Jay Crowder and some other pieces. And um, I think this speaks into. I've watched some of um, you know, tweets, and I and, you know I've been twatching. <laughs> I've been twatching here and there. And one of the biggest fights I have with the Celtics rebuild myself is how much Celtics fans overvalue guys that I don't think are going to be that good anywhere else. And I saw a guy saying uh, on the off the bench account, he was he wasn't willing to give up a Brooklyn pick for for Brook Lopez, man. He wasn't willing to give up Jay Crowder for Brook Lopez. Oh, I'm sorry, not for Lopez, uh, Blake Griffin, man. And um, Blake Griffin is more than worth a Brooklyn pick. He's more than worth Jay Crowder to, to, to me. To me, that's a steal. And Snotty, I know you about to go in, but take us through the rebuild so far, very briefly, and factor in how Blake Griffin would look next to Al Horford if this is true. And would you support this trade going down? I believe the deal involves Jay Crowder, Amy Bradley, and like a pick or something.
3: Yeah, the one I heard was uh, Avery Bradley, some combination of, of Bradley, Smart, and, uh, and and Crowder, and the picks uh, for either Blake Griffin or Boogie. Bomb I'm hearing, I, you heard some. Different would you? Ideas. Yeah. First First all, would you do that deal in a yeah. heartbeat? In a heartbeat. Thank you. In a heartbeat, because this is my thing. All right, so my, my take on the rebuild um, up until about a week and a week week and a half ago, I was I was pretty critical of what Andy, Andy was doing because. Um, you know, he, hey, he pulled it off because he, the, the whole day we're maintaining flexibility, we're building assets. But like you said, you hit the nail on the head. A lot of those assets, when you got a bunch of great rotation players, role players, but no nobody who's gonna you know project to be a star. Guys aren't. What do you think? What do you think people can give give for that? Um, so the fact that he landed Al Horford in free agency, hey, you we proved something enough to bring a real deal free agent. That that means something. So I, I got to back off my stance on Danny Ainge. What he did worked. Um, As far as Blake Griffin, he'd be a a fantastic fit for the simple fact you want talent. No matter what, the fit might not be the greatest with uh, Al Horford because um, Al's a a good defender but not a great shot blocker. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Blake Griffin, as we know, is not a strong defender. But that kind of offensive firepower, you, you make it work. That's my thing. You get Al Horford, Blake Griffin, and Isaiah Thomas is now your third option, and he can just you know score off of those other two guys. You make that work. You fitting in. You uh, Drake Crowder there on the wing too to spot up and play defense. That's uh, that's just phenomenal. So, I, I think the pipe dream. I'm with you guys. I you know we always hear all this trade talk. I, I can't imagine Chris Paul going for that. Uh, you know unless like you said, three way trade and Boogie ends up in in the Clippers, I guess somehow. But um, yeah. I, I hey, you give me that guy. You mean Blake? You give me any of those top 15 players, and I'm making the moves. They can take two or three of my pieces easily. Uh, I love Crowder's game. He's not that. He's not that important. He's not a a special next level player. I love Isaiah Thomas game. But let's think about it. If Boston wants to really compete, is a 5'8 volume shooting point guard gonna be the guy to take them next level? Thank you. I I can't see it. They love him. I know. I I respect what he does. But if we're gonna go next level, and we got two or three stars, you know. Uh, better players on this court. Where is he fit? Because he needs shots. Isaiah Thomas needs shots, or else he's he's not gonna be effective.
0: You preaching to so, the choir uh, right here, man.
3: So yeah, any moves they can make. Only person I think is untouchable right now, to me, honest person, is Al Horford. Uh, any moves they make other than that, I'm happy.
0: Word. All right, Dakota, uh, buy or sell on this trade if it's true.
2: Um, I definitely. Like I really, really buy for Celtics because as I've been thinking about this whole Celtics rebuild or whatever they're doing, it just seems like Brad Stevens has done so much with so little. Mm -hmm. And now that you have, you know, Hartford and a really solid, you know, point guard, like I don't think that I know that Isaiah Thomas can't be the best player on like a conference finals team. But um you bring Horford alongside Isaiah uh, Thomas and you bring in Blake Griffin or Boogie that's an awesome that's an awesome team. But for um LA and Sacramento again I have I can n- none of us can ever predict what Sacramento is gonna do because they're Sacramento. But for LA, I still think that they're you know, pretty smart Ooh. and they know how good Blake Griffin is. So I don't think that they do it. So I just think that this is a BS rumor. Are, are we sure that the Clippers are smart?
3: Uh, because they backed themselves in almost a sal- salary cap hell. And uh, right now, they really can't make moves and they can't do much of anything. They had to re-sign Wes Johnson and, and uh, you know, uh, Rivers. Which yeah. isn't terrible, but did they really improve? Or are they, they smart? They re like,
0: what, three years, 40,
3: something a million? Yeah, they had no choice, right? Because, I mean, if he walks, they still have money to sign somebody else. Oh,
0: I, I, I don't like what Doc
3: Rivers' GM has done. So sorry, TJ. Go, my
0: man. What's up, TJ?
1: Oh, you're good. I'm just listening away. Um, <laughs> if, if we're going to be talking about this trade, you got to take it with a big grain of salt first. Exactly. I do not see this happening even remotely without a whole lot changing about this trade. Uh, when it comes to the Clippers, if they're going to move Griffin, they need veteran assets who can fit the cap. So you're looking at teams who are going to be, I don't know, I hate to put Denver in something like a homer, but if you're going to put a team in for Blake Griffin, you've got to get Gallo back. You've got to get actual substantial players who are going to be able to walk in right away on a longer-term contract and be able to stay for a hot minute. They're trying to win now. Um, that's what They're not trying to rebuild. They're trying to build around Chris Paul and do exactly whatever they can do to pull off a championship. <sighs> At that point, you, they're going to be looking for players who are not been signed this year. They couldn't sign anybody, so you're going to have to look for somebody that's a lot better for trade. Plus, the offer that supposedly um, the Clippers presented the Nuggets about Blake Griffin was Jokic, Nurkic, Barton, and Harris. I think it was. It is insane. They were asking a lot for Griffin, so I don't see this happening.
0: Yeah. Um, if you're going the rebuilding route, I think. I think uh, L.A. has all the pieces to rebuild. Um, I think they should just rebuild if they can't get it this season. I think you need to be looking at Orlando because uh, I said this on record last week. If I'm the Clippers and we get out, ousted again in the first round, I'm looking right at Orlando and I'm asking for Gordon. I'm asking for his own year, and that's who I want uh, for Blake and I want to pick that uh, because, Apparently Orlando has lost his goddamn mind. They're just signing all these big men. <laughs> so let's just go there and um, ask for those guys. I would go to Washington. I'm trying to get Oubre. I'm trying to get some guys. You know what I'm saying? If if you're going that rebuilding route, definitely going to Denver. I want shit. I want Gary Harris and Nurkic, uh, hopefully, and uh, hopefully I can get Overeem too. Um, definitely going at after those young guys. Uh, we're towards the end of the show here. And and I would be remiss to not bring this up because this is huge news. Uh, The great one, the man, the legend, the quiet one, Tim Duncan retired, and the world makes no sense. Uh, 2016 is officially just trash, man. Uh, Because Tim Duncan was one of my favorite players to watch growing up. Uh, being a big kid, being my size, I always wanted to play power forward when I was young. But I grew into being a small forward. I, I never cracked the 6'9". I, I stayed at 6'6", 6'7". And I wanted to just beat Tim so bad I couldn't. So going into this season, I was hoping Tim could get that 6 ring. I wanted that to piss off Kobe so much. and And, and I love Kobe. I love Kobe so much, but I wanted Tim to get that because he's the anti Kobe. Kobe's the you know the, the star, he's the five rings, he's the standing on top of the scores table, we got five, and Tim is just a guy who's like this. He's reading his novels, he's drinking his tea, and he's quietly winning championships. And seeing the league's reaction, it's everything that you wanted to be for Tim. It's very respectful, it's very reserved and seeing Popovich uh, almost damn near break down, that shit ripped me apart because Pop shows no emotion to anybody, really, unless he's screaming at his guys. And for him to just give that beautiful soliloquy uh, about Tim Duncan and his career, I would be re- remiss if I didn't just say what an honor it was as an NBA fan to watch him for all these years do what he's done in the most respectful, the most professional, the most profound, and the most selfless way that I've ever seen an NBA player conduct himself on and off the court. There was no scandal. There was, there, was, there was no bar fights. There was no baby mamas claiming, you know, kids. There was no, you know, punching, you know, hecklers. Draymond. There was nothing of that sort. It was just flat out excellence. It was flat out consistency. And I want to get you all's take. I'm going to start with Dakota on this one. Dakota, 19 years of Tim, never missed the playoffs. I've been in, alive as long as Tim Duncan has been in the NBA. And to see him do this for 19 years, never miss a playoff once, what are you feeling, man? How do you feel? Uh, I.
2: Like, you. Like, I just, you, we've been kind of, like, building up towards this for the last few years, but Tim Duncan has been awesome every year before, you know, 2015-16, and we've been kind of building up to it, but when I saw, when I woke up to that news, I did feel very sad because as long as I've been, you know, an NBA fan, Tim Duncan has always, you know, been that guy, Mr. Mr. Fundamental, that just that awesome a uh, uh, two-way player, just, you know, awesome dude that you can just enjoy watching him play the most amazing, solid uh, brand of basketball and him just, you know, being entrenched into that Spurs culture for so long that I, 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 can't, I can't anticipate watching the San Antonio Spurs and not seeing, seeing Tim Duncan.
0: Snaddy, what's up, man? Talk talk, um, talk, talk, talk to us, man.
3: So you might never invite me on the show again because I'm be the only person.
0: I might be. In the
3: <laughs> I might be the only person in the world who takes dance the stance that Father Time is undefeated. And as much as we love Tim Duncan, uh, he got he got pretty much destroyed by Stephen Adams last year in the playoffs. He got uh, beat up by DeAndre Jordan the year before in the playoffs. That's fair. I mean, this. I get it. He's he is the best power forward of all time. He is a top ten some I might say a top five NBA player of all time he's had his time we got to watch greatness in action um but it, it, it's his time to go uh he saw Kevin Durant go to Golden State he, he it's funny because he opted in he saw go, he saw Durant go to Golden State and he, he grabbed his hat and coat and said well I'm out of here because he knows what time it is um he loves the game obviously he was a different kind of superstar it, it, that's what drives me nuts when I hear people have a superstar discussion about oh what's well, about your your off-court, uh, your popularity, and, and your, your, your aura, that's a superstar. No, it's not. Because if, if you tell me that Tim Duncan is not a, a, a superstar, you're an idiot. Because he was quiet. Because he didn't like the Flash. Because he wore his shirts untucked, and he wore his Dockers. Yeah, he, he might be the most boring man ever in the NBA on the outside, but by all accounts, he's one of the funniest guys you ever meet on the inside amongst his friends. Uh, so a superstar is walking out. He did everything he could. He had a stellar career. And uh, I'm not sad at all. I'm happy I got to see him. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see the Spurs in a new era. So Tim Duncan, I tip my hat to you. Everyone, uh, all the power forwards, they 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 bow down to you as you walk out to go set, sit in your, your giant Prius and uh, drive off to your uh, warm milk for dinner. TJ. <laughs> oh,
1: man. Uh, so first of all, Q, you ain't going to like this, because I'm from California. But to not Gosh. have Kobe. And Tim Duncan and the NBA is just like I mean, no NBA with Duncan and Kobe. Uh, to see Dwayne Wade go to Chicago, it's just—it's crazy. The NBA is changing a little too, too quickly for me. Um, Tim Duncan was special. There, is n- there might never be a superstar that can act the way that he did. And to go to a small market that at the time and then create it into this bigger market like San Antonio – all in the classiest way possible without trying to sell jerseys. Just absolutely instrumental for basketball. I've never seen this. I never will again, and I'm just blessed to be able to be a part of it. So props to Timmy. It's going to be a sad year next year for me.
0: Yeah, man. Um, Favorite moments. Uh, My favorite moment of Tim, man, It it might be the greatest shot that never was against the Lakers. Cause Derek Fisher, <laughs> that shit, man, Timmy, he was at the top of the key, man. He just sure he just tossed one up, and it went in. That's one of my favorites. I, I, I believe that was 03, and 05 Finals versus Detroit is one of the most underrated performances of a single player because Tim never brags about it. You know, it's it's not written about, but very quietly. He was so efficient, he was so prolific, and he was that team's – that team went as far as he went. Manu and Tony were just getting their feet under each other, really. They were just coming into their, their own. Tim knew how to do this from Data Robinson, and he said, all right, I'm going to be Data Robinson now, y'all follow my league. And 05 is one of the most underrated performances because the next year weeks we had one of the best performances in D-Wade, obviously. But 05 is so underrated. And 2013 also. Uh, The way he was schooling Chris Bosh, man, Chris Bosh had no answer for Tim Duncan. Those post moves, even in 2014, yeah, the steam was starting to go out a, a little bit. But he was still giving the Clippers some of that work, man. It was, you saw flashes here and there. And it took a BS foul for them to beat the Spurs in 2014. And, um... I'm very grateful to watch him, Dakota, uh, Snotty, Anyone uh, chime
2: in with your favorite moments on uh, the great Tim Duncan? You know, it's it's more recent, but I believe it was at 2013 Finals, his last Finals. Just the entire series, it was just the best basketball, <laughs> the most exciting basketball that I have ever watched. But you know, unlike you know a guy like Kobe. Tim Duncan's more about, like, the, the experience of just watching him through the years, the one particular moment. But, uh, like you mentioned in that 2003 Western Conference Finals where, you know, he hit that uh, great off-balance shot from the top of the key and then Derek Fisher did what uh, Derek Fisher did. But it, uh, Tim Duncan wasn't about moments. He was just about consistency. It's not
3: um, I want to say uh, every time he committed a foul, that face he made, to me, is just one of the funniest things ever. The fact that if you ask Tim Duncan, he's never once committed a foul. He could be standing there holding uh, you know, Al Horford's head in his hands from his disconnected body and covered in blood and look at the ref like, What? What did I do? What? You know, that face. And um, I think on the court uh, last year in the playoffs, man, against the Clippers, uh, you know, the dude was 30, uh, 38 years old. And let's see what he averaged. Um, it, it was it was amazing. He was watching the maestro. He, you know, he, at 38, he averaged uh, 18 and 11 against Man. the young Blake Griffin and the young DeAndre Jordan. And, yeah, DeAndre got, you know, DeAndre, big, physical. They ran and dunked on his head a little bit a few times. but Well, that was
0: always uh, Timmy's biggest weakness was running into guys who who, who could get up and down the floor on him. I'm not saying that he was never spry because he was. Like, yeah, he G- was pretty G-
3: mobile when he was younger, and, uh, and of course he lost it now. But like you just, well, you no, know, like yeah, but KG used to kill him uh, yeah. so athletically, but he won the game. But then, um, you know, and then yeah, honestly, one of my favorite moments is just like that game when uh, you know Serge box him at the rim and they they won that game. Not like a favorite moment, but it just for it, times undefeated, man. He, as great as he is, he, he can't avoid it, and I, you know I think he probably really thought about coming back next year. And he thinks about moments like that, and it, it is what it is, man. That career is over. I'm excited to see, uh, you know, who's the next star to step in to fill that
0: void. Yeah. Well, uh, if you have anything else to add,
1: DJ? Yeah. Yeah. As a Lakers fan in that 03 series, the dread and terror and anger that I felt after watching him hit that shot—that it, it, uh, has to be probably the worst memory of the best memories I could ever have of him, do uh, he ripped out LA's soul for about <coughs> 25 seconds, and he was staggering, man. There's just no one ever going to be like him. I'm so blessed him to watch him. That's all I got to say.
0: I agree, man, 100 percent. Uh, we're going to honor Tim in 2021, I believe. That's going to be the Hall of Fame where I cry, because, uh, Kobe's going to be talking. Um, and so is Tim, and I know tears are going to be falling on that one. It's probably not going to be as hard as it is going to be for Iverson. But you know, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a rough one to watch for me, man. I love both of those guys, but Tim, we love you, man. Uh, just so much respect for the career. 19 years, never missed a playoffs. How many guys can <laughs> say that they haven't missed the playoffs in five years span? Not many guys can say that. And it's 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 so beautiful watching his footwork, man. You know, we always talk about Hakeem, and Hakeem, hands down, has the best footwork I've ever seen for a big man. But Timmy was not that far behind, man. And he's just a model of consistency and much respect to him, man. I wish him all the best of luck and blessings in his retirement. Um, That's going to be it for us uh, over here at Dead End Sports. Uh, The guys might be back next week. I believe at the latest they're going to be back in two weeks. I believe they might be back next week. I'm gonna get confirmation on that for you all. Uh, we got some guys in the chat room who are, uh, who are friends with Snotty talking that talking that shit right now. He says meet him at a hotel, Snotty. Apparently. What the? Yeah. Uh, go go what check out. Check it <laughs> <laughs> <on>, man. Any yeah. band? Whoever is <laughs> in there. Hotel. I have I have no clue. He wants to have drinks with you or something. I I really don't even know. Uh, Who's room El, El, El Bandito.
3: Do, do you know hey El Bandito, you El Blanco. When I find out who you are, that's What, that's what
0: you are? We don't know, but um. <laughs> so, yeah, guys, you want to give y'all. out your uh, handles so uh, where the guys can find you, at, con- contact you, and get in touch with, with you Let's we'll start with Dakota. Where can we find your work? Where can we get in touch with you and all that good stuff?
2: Um, at Dakota D A K O T A underscore S C H M I D T at Dakota underscore schmidt Follow my website at Ridic Upside. That's Ridiculous Upside R I D I C Upside on Twitter. Snotty. Um, yeah, I'm right over there. Uh Coach Nick,
3: Jesse Blanchard, all those guys over there—they're way better than me. I just talk the most crap, so people like to follow me on Twitter and mess with me. Um, so, uh, and then on Twitter, uh, a homage to my the, one of the greatest small forwards of all time, Scotty Pippen. Uh, I turn my name to Snoddy Drippin, so ask Snotty Drippin. Follow me there. And, uh, yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm trying to walk, a, trying to walk a, a new path, turn up a new leaf on Twitter. So I'll be respectful and fun and, and as nice as possible. So. And,
0: oh, TJ, what's up? <laughs>
1: So uh, milehighsports.com, uh, beat writer there. If you ever have a Nuggets game, make sure you slide in the depth to that DM for me and say what's up. Uh, Twitter handle Tj McBrad1 two E's, not three, and that's about it.
0: And I am the gracious host, Q Got No Range on Twitter, the boy Q, the Sixers fan, and the Eagles fan, the Flyers fan, the Philly, fan, the Philly fanatic. And uh, that's going to do it for us. The guys will be back, I believe, next week. I'm going to get that confirmation for you all. Make sure you follow all the guys. Make sure you subscribe. Hit that like button, comment. I don't care if you're, if you're talking shit or if you are not talking shit. I, I respect both people. So let's get to that sports following up. We're getting a good following here. And uh, that's going to be it for this week, guys. And I appreciate you all for watching. If you can't watch it right now, you can watch the playback. It's going to be up later on this uh, day, I believe. in a couple hours. And follow all the guys once again. And that's going to do it for this episode of Dead End Sports. Timmy, we'll miss you.